0: Would you bow your heads, whether you're at home, whether you're here, and uh, let's uh, let's, let's invite God into this place. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the life that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, because you are the sovereign God, the one who is in control of all things. You appoint kings. Lord, you judge men's hearts, and we trust, God, that you are always working out all things for the good of those who love you. And to get to, together as we gather here, would you give us a, a sense of your presence? Would you grant us, Lord, a revelation of the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ? And would you stir our hearts, Lord, for your affection? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's, uh, let's come together and worship, guys. It's all right.
1: It's all rise. Let's worship God. you Our God, the firm foundation Our rock, the only solid ground The nations rise and fall Kingdoms, once strong, now shaken We trust forever in your name The name of Jesus trust in the name of jesus you are the only king forever almighty god we lift you higher you are the only king forever forevermore you are victorious and you are the only king forever almighty god we lift you higher You are the only king forever, forevermore. You are victorious. Victoria
2: Let's um, sit down and prepare our hearts for prayer. You know, today we are reminded, you know, through the worship songs, that Jesus remains faithful and he stays still regardless of what happens. And in the book of Hebrews, um, the author writes that Jesus Christ is the ultimate revelation of God's love and mercy. And he reminds us that he is worthy to be praised. And it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 8, know, Jesus, Jesus Christ it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So regardless of what is happening around the world, when everything is changing, one thing that we can hold fast is that Jesus remains our foundation. And he holds us to who we are today. So I want to invite you guys to come and just you know, meditate. Um, you know, where have you encountered Christ this week where he remains the same as he remains faithful to you. And let's use that moment to just pray and just give thanks to God for who he is. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have remained the same today, tomorrow, yesterday, and forever. We are just reminded of your great love for us, your mercy and grace upon us. We thank you for just this privilege as a church to come together to worship you and to praise you, Lord. I pray that we would recognize the beauty of the life that you have given to us, Lord that you are willing to sacrifice yourself on the cross to die and to forgive the forgiveness of our sins each day. And Lord, we ask that you would just remind us of everything that you have done and that today as we hear your word today being preached, may we receive it wholesomely that we would just be able to be humble and come before you as you teach us to change the world to help us, to transform us, to be more like you, Lord. So we want to give you all the glory and all the praise that you deserve today because you are worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name we pray as a church. Amen.
1: I know we haven't done this in a while, and I don't want you guys to really walk around and greet one another because I know that, like, social distancing and all, but you guys can just stand up and wave at one another. I haven't been in this kind of atmosphere. Just air five, say hi, say hi to someone new. Congratulate
0: someone on accolade in their life, you know?
1: Like Andrew and his baby.
0: Welcome, welcome everybody to sunday worship you beautiful people we love you guys thank you for being here all you guys at home how you guys doing we miss you show up okay hey uh you know 2020 hit again today i found out someone passed away that i really admire you guys know who who died today this morning alex trebek alex trebek passed away man jeopardy that guy was that was, that guy was was a staple in my life. He showed me how dumb I am most of the time, <laughs> right? How you couldn't answer most. Oh, so sad. I'm so sad for that. You know, but it actually is a good segue into uh, our message today. Uh, we are in a new series for the rest of this month, the month of November. We are in a series um, about Thanksgiving, a series about being thankful, having thankful hearts. Is a year when. It's really hard to be thankful, right We see so many things happening we want We want to 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 kind of settle down for this month and kind of get people back planted deeply rooted into the gospel again. The good news that Jesus gave his disciples and ultimately given to us in this season and the gospel is remind to, is there to remind us that there's always something to be thankful for so if you if you're finding yourself in this kind of like like limbo of just, I just don't know how to be thankful. I, I just don't know how to think of 2020. I don't know how to like deal with all the stuff that's been going on. And I don't even know how to even engage in the idea of thankfulness in this season. Um, this series was, was made for you. And we want to really get our hearts to remember how to be thankful. And today, I want to I I hit an area about the gospel that is, is so beautiful. Because the gospel offers us something unbelievably wonderful That we can actually be thankful for, right? The defeat of an enemy that we have been, that we have known and seen, that is so real to our lives. That the gospel tells us that there is an enemy that we have to the human race, enemy to the human race, enemy to humanity, and this enemy can be defeated. I'm talking, of course, about death, right? Death. Death is always around us. It happens all the time, and in this year. It's the first time we've seen we've seen death on a global pandemic scale. About I think I did, I did the um, I checked it out. About 1.25 million people have died uh, due to COVID this year, right? And I'm not gonna lie to you. Oh, what is that? That's a weird baby screeching sound, right? What is that? Is it the wind? Whoa, right? Sorry, if at home, you don't home me to hear this, like, this little like, whisper back there, yeah, like that, All right. So for those of you guys who are young, I'm, t- I'm going to look at you guys real fast. I'm going to tell you guys something. That there is a lot of death that you're going to be witnessing in your future, okay. It's inevitable. You can't hide from it. You can't run from it. You can't disappear from it. death is going to be part of your life, okay, one way or the other. Therefore, you're going to need to know what this text tells us about death. You're going to need to know what this text tells us about how to deal with death and what what, what goes on, how to defeat it, and how, and how much hope there is in the midst of death, okay? And we're going to look at three things that this text offers. It's pretty much, I'm sorry, I'm going to pick this up. I can't look down this far anymore. They gave us a new, um, new podium. Isn't that nice? Wow, all fancy. I don't know, man. All right. Three things that this text offers us, okay? Three things this text offers us today is this. Why do we need hope in the face of death? How can we have hope in the face of death? And how can we increase it so that we can face anything? Why do we need hope in the midst of death? I'm going to share with you guys the reason why we need a hope for our lives. And second thing I'm going to share with you guys, how can we have this hope in the face of death? And then thirdly... How can we increase it so that we can face anything moving into our future? You guys follow me? Okay, that's the journey we're taking today. Open your Bibles to First Thess- Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13. All right. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Let me read this verse for you guys and then uh, we'll get into this. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. That's a a, uh, cute way of saying those who died, right? Or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope, okay? Who have no hope. See, Paul is saying this. The The first question I want to ask you guys is why do we need hope in the face of death? Paul is saying all human beings struggle to have hope in the face of death. In the middle of death, when you are facing it head on, when the reality of death is at your doorstep, every human being has a very difficult struggle of dealing with death. Everyone struggles to have hope and confidence when death is at their doorstep. And if everyone struggles to have hope and confidence, then how do people actually deal with death? You guys ever quite asked that question? You guys ever like think about it? How do people actually deal with death when it comes? Most of you guys don't think about death because why? You think you're going to live forever because you think you're young, right? COVID has told you it ain't happening, okay? The two most common ways, I'm going to share with you guys first. The two most common ways people out there seek to have strength to face death. Two ways, and then I'm going to show you why we need actual hope to face death, okay? So two ways. First way is the stoic way, okay, dealing with death. Most culture, most society... Even the Western society about up to 30 years ago, the way they deal with death was a stoic persona of death. What does this mean? This way tells us this. We acknowledge that death is real. We acknowledge that death brings a great anger and great sorrow. We acknowledge that death comes. But the stoic way is this. You can't deal with anything. You can't fix the problem. You can't change anything. So lock that mug down stop complaining about it stop crying about it deal with it i know death comes i know you have struggles i know you're angry i know you're despondent i know you're full of sorrow but you can't fix it so lock it up bear up with it deal with it don't let the emotions come out it doesn't fix anything when you cry some of you guys are like who thinks like that right I'm telling you guys, if you think like that, you have not been around my grandma, right? <laughs> so you can't bring anyone back. So this is when my father passed away, I remember this, it was such a sad story. When my father passed away so many years ago, I think 18, no, 25 years ago. When he passed away 25 years ago, I remember after the funeral we came home and my mom started crying. You know, she sat in the kitchen, she started crying, and my grandma said, why are you crying? You can't fix anything, right? You gotta move on. We gotta we gotta deal with the thing. And you know, I was sitting there, I was like, totally okay, I didn't know what to do. So I just kinda like saw my mom kinda kinda suck it suck it in and just not do anything, right? And I remember I would hear her cry at night in her room with her face to the pillow, right? Because she didn't want grandma to hear. And I remember, you know, grandma looked at me and says, You better not cry either. And I was like, Okay, right. <laughs> And I remember the first time I, I shed a tear for my dad when he passed away was in the shower because I, I thought if I turned the shower loud enough, she wouldn't. Hear the, the water and the tears would kind of mix together, and you can't hear it, right? You'd be surprised, right? This is this is this is spirit of there's a sense of resilience I say, you know what, you can't do anything about it, so crying's not gonna help. Deal with it. Bear up with it. Be strong about it. This is life. It's unfair. That's how a lot of people, most culture, most society has dealt with death. But the most modern way of how people dealt with death is this. The one we see most happen or most prevalent today, and if you realize, I mean, I, I, I've been to a funeral this week or this month, and I've been to, and I've seen and I heard about a lot of death. And I've been looking at books about death, you know usually because I, I don't know what to do with death because you know, I'm kind of, even though as a pastor, I, you think like, you know, PT knows what to do. I do not. When people die, I'm, I'm like, I'm just really confused, right? I, I remember I called Pastor Lynn up. I said, hey, man, I need you to just take me to every funeral you go to because I just need to do what you do because I have no idea what to say to people, right? And what I realized about the modern way of dealing with death as I was reading these pamphlets at funeral homes and I was checking out books, the modern way of dealing with death that they tell you and the way that they tell you to teach your children to talk about death they say this they say hey deal with death as if it's a natural process look at death right and realize it's just nothing to be afraid of it's part of the natural process of life okay the best the best illustration of this is the lion king the circle of life you know when simba asks his father mufasa dad don't we kill eat the gazelles and he says, yes, Simba, right? But when we die, our bodies become the grass, and the gazelle eats the grass. And so we're all part of the circle of life, right? I wanted to put the clip up, but I'm afraid was going to work, so I'm, i tried my best to rendition that for you guys. So if you guys have seen the movie, you see that. The modern way is to say death is coming. It's a natural process. Don't be afraid. When you close your eyes, you face unconsciousness, right, and you become a non-conscious being. You just slip away into oblivion. Nothing to be afraid of. That's the modern way. So one way, you got the stoic way, suck it up, deal with it, don't cry, don't let it out. You got to be strong, you got to be strong, you got to move on. Crying doesn't help. And the other side, the modern way is life is just natural. Just let it go. Does that work? Do you realize that? The answer is no. Intuitively, you know that's not right. You know, uh, my son Seth came today. I was going to share this thing, but I I feel kind of, you know, I'll share it anyways because I I have no illustration here, right? Right? Seth intuitively knows that death is not natural. I didn't realize he knew this until like a few times. He stopped wanting to watch movies. And I was, that alone was enough for me to disown him. I was like, this is my life, bro. Like, you know, like, he's like, I don't want to watch movies anymore. And I I didn't know when this started, but I I realized when it started. After watching Avengers Endgame, right? And then the the subsequent movies we kept watching, for some reason, I realized, looking back on it, someone passed away. And then this last movie we saw was Over the Moon. If you haven't seen it yet, right, someone passed away. And then the whole time, he just said, I don't want to watch movies anymore. Right? And, and I was like, first I was like, man, why? And he's like, it's just, it's just a movie. And my head, I, was thinking, I didn't say that. It was like, it's just a movie. Suck it up, right? Not a problem. But you know you know what I realized? And then, he, of course, he, he will come to his mom. His mom would be like, no, someone died, right? And I was like, oh, right? And what I, what I realized is this, that even a small child recognized that death is not natural. We shouldn't watch death as if it's a natural thing there's something very terrible about it. There's something that, that, that causes great emotional pain and anger out of it. Intuitively, we know that we are more than just grass that the gazelles eat after we die. See, there's a poem that says, you know, rage, rage against, no, 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 do not, I'm sorry. Do not go quietly into the night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light, right? It was a poem by Dylan Thomas. He understood the idea of death, we don't want death to come. We don't think it's a natural thing for our for our intuitive life. We don't we realize death is not natural. There's nothing natural about death at all. So why do we need hope in the face of death? Why do we need hope in the face of death? Two reasons why we should realize that death is a, is a horror and as an aberration that it's not natural. Two reasons that you must understand about death. One. It rips you away from everything that has meaning in your life. Think about the most meaningful things that you have in your life. Is it not a love relationship with somebody? The most meaningful thing in your life is not your car, your boat, your house, whatever. We don't have boats here, but your car, your house, right? The most meaningful thing in your life that you can ever remember is the love relationship you have with someone. And when someone thinks that they are comforting you by saying that when you die, you are no longer conscious, you're not there, you don't exist, it's natural, we shouldn't be afraid. No consciousness means what? No love. Non-consciousness means what? There is no love. Death throughout your life strips you of everyone that you love. Death tells you that love no longer exists. The very thing that gave you meaning in the life that you live now. The very thing that gets you up in the morning, gets you working, gets you going, gets you moving. The very thing that you joyfully come together, laugh, and and be with. That very thing. People nowadays are telling you it's natural to no longer feel that. Can you understand why? Can you understand why even a a six-year-old kid would realize that's not cool? That's not good. That's not natural. To have the ones in whom I love be ripped from me and no longer be able to experience them. Death is a horror. Because it rips everything of meaning from your life. Why do we need hope in the face of death? It rips everything that has meaning in your life. But secondly... You don't know what happens after death, right? You don't know what happens after death. How do you know that when you die, you slip into non-consciousness? How do you, how do you know? You guys ever asked that question? How, like people were telling you, don't worry, you're part of the circle of life, you become non How do you know that, right? You don't know that. You can't prove that. To even say that, it's a real leap of faith. You got to have real faith to say, yeah, when you die, you become non-conscious. Okay. Shakespeare said the best. I'm about to coach you guys real fast right here, right? Shakespeare said the best in Hamlet. This is what he says. The dread of something after death, death, the undiscovered country. From whose born, no traveler returns, puzzles the will. It makes us rather bear the ills we have rather than fly to what we know not of. Does conscience makes cowards of us all? See what Hamlet is saying is we don't know what's out there. From whose born travelers do not return. No one came back from the dead. We don't know. Actually, we do know, but I'll get there, right? No one came back from the dead. So how do you know, and how can you spout and how can you say that death is this natural process that when you take your last breath, you become non-conscious. Everything disappears. And you say, I have faith. We don't know what's on the other side, but what we do know is our conscience, and that's why we're afraid. Almost everyone I've seen and known, almost everyone I have seen come to the place when they're facing death's door. When they're actually facing death's door. Always wonder. You know what they always wonder? I wonder if I got enough bank in my bank account. Nope. I always wonder if my house is big enough. Nope. I always wonder if I have lived a life that I should have lived. I always wonder if I have loved the way I should have loved. I always wonder, I'm wondering now on the doorsteps of death, did I really live a life worthy of life? You know why we think that? Because there's an innate fear in our hearts. We don't know what's over there. No one's came back. But what we do know is our own conscience and what we've done here. And there is a beating of our heart that tells us, I'm scared. It's like the idea of... um, driving your car on the freeway, 60 miles per hour, and you decide to board up all of your windows. (laughs) Would that make you a little anxious? You have nowhere you're going. You're going 60 miles per hour. Wouldn't that make you anxious, right? I'm not going to lie to you. I've done this before. No, not, not, not. I didn't board up my window. That's just kind of weird, right? When we've gone to retreat, if you've been in my car, if we've gone to retreat, we always go to these remote places, right, where there's no lights anywhere, and it's like, it's pitch black, and the only light you see is the car headlights. The time I'm in the car, I'm like, hey, I'm going to turn off the headlights and see how long we last before we freak out, right? And they're like, okay, right? Of course, I'm with guys. So I'm like, all right, one, two, three, turn it off. And it is pitch black, right? And, I, and it feels like forever, but literally, I think it's three seconds before, so like, turn it on, turn it on. I can't, free, I, I'm, I'm, in my head, I'm thinking like, I can do it. I can outlast them. I can outlast them, right? Right? But in my mind, I'm thinking, turn it on, we're going to die, right? It's so weird because when you do not know, when you do not know, What's going to happen? There is an immense emotion of anxiousness when you're at death's door. Yes, follow me? But Paul is saying in verse 13. Paul is saying, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. I don't want you to be ignorant about those who die. Or to grieve like the rest of the men who have no hope. Paul is saying death should make you grieve. Paul is saying you should grieve, but it should not make you grieve the way the rest of the world grieves. I don't want you to be ignorant, right, like the rest of those who have fallen asleep. Don't grieve like the rest of the world. Paul knows you have to grieve. Death is an enemy. It's nothing natural about death. There's nothing natural about dying here. And therefore, it's Absolutely right to be angry and sorrowful when you see death coming. You do need to grieve, right? If you don't, if you shut it off, right? You, there's there's like mental damage that comes your way, right? You can lose yourself, anxiety, despair, If you just keep saying, just lock it down, don't worry about it. stop crying about it. We just gotta bear up to it. There is despair, cynicism that comes out of it. But Paul's saying what? I don't want you to grieve. You should grieve, right? But I want you to grieve without hope. Back in the days when refrigerators weren't around, you know how they preserve meat? They use what? Salt, right? They would rub the salt into the meat because if you leave meat out after a while, it begins to sweat. And after it sweats for a while, it begins to get putrid and it becomes spoiled and it dies. So what people did was they took salt and they rubbed the salt into the meat. And as they rub the salt into the meat, it preserves the meat and it keeps it from going bad. And what Paul is saying here, in the same way, Paul is saying, if you rub the Christian hope into your grief, it will keep your grief from going bad. If you rub the Christian hope into your despair, into the face of death, it will keep you, it will keep the grief from debilitating you and destroying you. It will actually... What it will do instead, it will turn you into someone wiser and deeper and kinder, and you end up happier and even more, you'll be more thankful. See, the Christian hope, when you allow for it to penetrate into your very psyche, it gives you the ability to grieve with direction. What is this hope, okay, guys? So the first question I ask is, why do we need this hope? Why do we need hope in the face of death? But the second question I want to ask is, how can we have hope in the face of death? What is this hope in the face of death? What is the hope given to you? Look at verse 14. This is what he says. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. We believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. See, the hope is the resurrection of Jesus. The hope is the resurrection of Jesus. There's a story in the Bible, right, if you ever have a chance to read it. The story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. You guys remember that story? Remember that story? When Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus, what was he doing? He was weeping, the Bible says. He grieved. He grieved over the loss of his friend. He grieved in sorrow that this person, his fellow brother, his fellow man, died. He grieved for this guy. But at the same time, the Bible said what? With anger, he went to the tomb. He was grieving and he was angry. Why was he angry? Because Jesus, first, he's not a stoic. He's not saying lock that mug down, keep it away, don't cry, it doesn't fix anything. He's not a stoic. He wept because he knew death was not natural. He knew that death was something to grieve about. But at the same time, he was angry. Why was he angry? Because Jesus claimed to be who? God. He was angry at death. Because he knew that death was not God's original plan for you. It was not God's original design. It was not part of the original order of the world. God did not make you to die. And so when he saw his friend lying in the tomb, he approached it with anger because he knew. He knew that this was not how it's meant to be. That's why when Jesus was on earth, what did he do? He kept healing people. Why did he do that? It was to remind people: life was not meant to be destroyed like this. You are not meant to be in this place. You were meant to be healed, to be vibrant, to be alive. You are not meant to shrivel and die. You are meant to be to grow in glory and glory and glory. Death, he knew, we know that death is unnatural. We know it in our bones. In the depth of our psyche. Because why? We were made in the image of God. And God, and when Jesus was angry as he approached the tomb, he, he wept because he grieved over his, his brother. He grieved over this guy whom he loves, a fellow friend. But he was angry because he says, man, this is not how it's supposed to be. It's not how it's supposed to be. And we know that too. We know that deep in our heart, this is not how it's supposed to be. We know we weren't built to age. And age, to get weaker and weaker, to shrivel up and die. We're not meant to do that. One of the most like, scariest sights of my life was whenever I see someone who's taking their last breath and their body begins to waste. You know, They have to keep them there. You watch them. Emasculated. Right? You're looking and you're like, this is not how it's meant to be. Because we were made to get stronger and stronger, brighter and brighter, more beautiful on forever and forever. We were not made to lose the people we love. You guys get me, right? Jesus knew that too, and he was angry. So Jesus grieved, and he's angry, but he didn't run from the tomb of Lazarus. You know what he did? He went to the tomb of Lazarus, and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. This is how Christians grieve, guys. This is how Christians deal with death. You are full of grief. You're full of grief because death has took something of meaning away from your life. Death has taken away a relationship that you love so deeply in your life. So you are are free to grieve, to be angry, to be sorrowful. At the same time, you're full of anger because you know this is not natural. But, being full of grief, being full of anger, but you also have the hope of the resurrection. You have the hope of the resurrection. Let me try to break it down for you guys. The hope of the resurrection. You see, Jesus says what? I am the resurrection and the life. And he wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid. How can we have the same confidence? The answer is because Jesus... Didn't just die. Paul says, "What we believe that Jesus died and rose again. We have the hope in the resurrection." Let me, give, let me paint you a picture here. Imagine a battlefield, okay? And you're on this battlefield, and there's a champion there. The old school idea of a champion is not, not, not our idea of champion here. Is like we won, woo, right? The old school idea of a champion is someone who will step into the battle in your place. Who is our champion? Boom, steps in, right? The champion fights the battle for those who cannot. And so here you are on this battlefield, and there's a champion who scans his battlefield because he's looking, he's realizing there are people out there who can't handle their own opponent. He scans it, and he sees you standing in the middle of this battlefield, and he knows you're outmatched. He knows you're up against a foe who is much stronger than you. He knows that this foe is much bigger, much faster, much better armed, and he knows that you're going to die. And you know you're going to die. And you can't run away because this foe is much faster than you. So what does your champion do? Your champion goes towards danger. It goes towards death, stands before you and your opponent as you're like running, right? He faces death for you. He's slain so that you may live. Now the Bible says that's what Jesus Christ has done. That's what Jesus Christ has done. He has stood in front of death itself, the death that we deserve, and he's taken death down. But the interesting thing that Paul is saying is that the hope is not that Jesus died. The hope is that Jesus is alive. He rose again. That's the hope. Death is not just our enemy. You don't realize that? Death is your your executioner. Death, Death is there to collect on the debt that you owe. Death, right, is the penalty. The wages of our sin, the Bible said, is death. And if your debtors are coming after you to collect, you have to pay the debt or pay the punishment. And if you pay the debt, then you're free. So if death is coming after you and you pay the debt, of le- uh, the debt of death, then you're free. But here's the thing. None of us are able to pay it. None of us can pay the, the debt of death. What do we have? Jesus Christ, our great champion, went into death on our behalf. He faced and he stood before death on our behalf while we know, he knows that we were outmatched, out, outgunned, right? I just quoted Hamilton, I'll match our gun, right? Right, anyways, right? He stood in our he stood before us, before death, and he took the blow of death. But he didn't just take the blow of death. You know what else he did? He blew a hole into death. He blew a doorway into the very essence of death. Because he didn't just die, he rose. And why did he rise? He paid the penalty. Death has no more claim, no more power. He went into death and blew a hole right out of its back. Our great champion went head-to-head with death, imagine this, death and and Jesus, head-to-head, one-on-one, and death is laughing, death is laughing, because all who came before must pay the price. Death is laughing, because he's asking, who do you think you are that you can rise above your fellow man to Jesus? Death is laughing, all have tried before you and none could pay the price of this debt. Death says, I got you, boy. And Jesus blew a hole into death and said, you got nothing, son. And death was like, what? Can't believe it. All debts are paid. I can't collect no more. See, Hamlet was wrong. Someone has come back from the dead. And Jesus says this, to all those who believe in me, To all those who believe in me, I want you to know I have blown a hole into the very back of death. So that when death comes to you and you're facing death at death's doorstep and you believe in me, you don't have to be afraid anymore. Because when death is about to collect on you, you stand and you look and you laugh because Jesus lives. Jesus lived and that gaping hole, that gaping hole that's in death. You know what that, that hole is? That hole is just your doorway and entrance into glory. That is the hope that we have in Jesus. That's the end of fear. See, before Jesus, death was the executioner. With Jesus, death is now just a gardener. What does death do? Death plants you, and he makes you something far greater. Just like a flower is greater than the seed, just like the tree is greater than the acorn. So if you will let Jesus, the filthiest, the filthiest, lowliest creatures like us can become those who have such pulsating power, energy that shines brighter and brighter than you can possibly imagine. That's the hope you have. That's the hope you have. As a believer in Jesus Christ, that is the hope you have. Otherwise, what do you have? What do you have? You have death ripping away the very things that you love, the very ones that you love. Never again being able to see them. Otherwise, what do you have? You have this false sense of idea that everything is natural. It's okay. It's going to be okay. How do you know that? You don't know that. The things that you're spouting, you have, you have no idea. I remember, I remember when I was, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to disrespect, right, any faith here, but I remember when I was, when my father passed away and we were, one of the rituals we had to do was uh, we had to do the, the Buddhist chant for about 49 days or 40, I can't remember the exact, so 49 days, right? And the answer was, why? I was, I was like, why are we doing it, right? Like, why are we doing it? And I remember my grandma being my spiritual leader at that time, wrong spiritual leader, right? My grandma told me it's because when you chant in such a way, you have the chanting of the words has the ability to free the soul from whatever cycle of reincarnation and bring them to glory. And I asked a very obvious so how do you know that? Like, it's written, but how do you know that there's glory? Like, did anyone ever come back from the dead? She's like, "Shut up! Right? What do you know?" <laughs> and that was, and that was, the, that was the thing that that haunted my heart over and over. And that was the thing that, that was very difficult for me to to grasp before I became a believer. Is the idea of where my father is? He died. Was he able to defeat death? Did he walk through the gaping hole that Jesus blew out and walked into glory? Did he know that there was one who came back from the dead? Only one? Only one. Only one who was ever able to come back from the dead. Did he know of that man? Did he know of that person? You see, the hope that we have As a Christian, is that you can grieve. You're allowed to weep. But the hope that you have as a Christian is also what? You know. You know that this is not a natural thing. And you question, you wonder, is this it? Is it done? Is it over? And Jesus Christ says, no, my son. No, my daughter. Who has bewitched you to believe that it is done? I have finished. I have arisen. I have blown a hole in death. Your walk, your step, the moment you take your first breath, it is a step into glory. And all who knows me and follows after me. That is the hope we have. And the question is how do we increase this hope? Last question. Look at verse 15 to 18. This is a picture of heaven. Check this out. According According to the Lord's own words, we tell you that we who are still alive, we are left till the coming of the Lord. Will certainly not perceive those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangels, with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we are still alive and are left. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with Him, with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. See, Paul at the end is saying this, in verse 18, he says, encourage each other with these words. He's telling about what's coming. He's saying what's actually coming. Encourage each other with these words. What is coming? Christianity promised you things that no other faith, truth, philosophy, ideology dare promise. Christianity promised you something that no other faith, philosophy, truth, or ideology ever would dare promise or ever can promise. And the promise they do is three things real quickly. It's that when death comes, what awaits for you is a world of love. Your future is a world of love. There's a great sermon by um, Jonathan Edwards, right? And he talks about heaven. See, heaven is not halos, angels, clouds, right? Those are all just pictures and descriptions of glory. And heaven is not just an all-consumer's paradise where you go there like, yeah, I get whatever I want. Yeah, you know, like pizza Glory or not, right? Heaven gives you a world of love. See, what you have at the heart of heaven is a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who has existed before time, who has existed in all eternity, and the Father, Son, Holy Spirit loves upon each other, and that love is resonating forever, 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 pulsating forever, forever, forever. This love that is there, and in heaven that love is poured out completely, Unto us, We experience the power of love completely. See, the love that we experience here, the love that we experience here is clogged. It's like a pipe, right? It's like sometimes one way, one-sided. Sometimes one gives more than the other. Sometimes one doesn't give at all, right? The love that we experience here oftentimes is clogged, oftentimes is one-sided. One person loves more than the other, right? Oftentimes we can't express our love completely here. If you guys grew up with Asian parents, you understand this, right? They love you by what? Feeding you and buying you books, right? That's how they love you. And they can't express their love for you. They don't have a way to express their love for you. And yet, heaven tells us what? In heaven, the thirst of love is felt and expressed immaculately. Completely. The hope that you have as you step past death into glory. Is a world of love that you can't possibly imagine. Heaven is a place where happiness, where your happiness, is built into the happiness of others. That as they begin to glory, you begin to rise in happiness, and as you begin to rise in happiness, they begin to rise in happiness, and it continues to go. You, you journey. You, ex- you feel a sense of love and a sense of. Depth of, uh, of glory, of, of, of gratefulness, of happiness, when you begin to see they are happy. See, nowadays we don't feel that way, don't we? It's very limited here on earth, isn't it? When someone gets the promotion, when someone is joyful, sometimes you feel a little bit what? A little jealous, a little bitter. You're like, yeah, I'm happy for you, but I'm a little bit, like why, like you're married, why am I not married? Yeah, you're married, woo, right? I'm still single, right? You get happy because you your best friend. It's the promotion. It's like, yeah, man, you, you, you made it. You got the high five figures or the six figures. You, we finally. I'm still making four figures. What is going on? But in heaven, all of a sudden, this 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 clogged picture of love is destroyed. That when their joy is made complete, your joy is made complete. And when your joy is complete, their joy becomes complete. And it goes back and forth, back and forth in exponential terms. And it goes on and on and on and on for eternity. There is no limit to it. And if you are happy with the small amount of love that you experience here, I am telling you, there is a promise in Christianity that is by far greater than you can ever imagine. And it's the promise of a world of love. second promise of Christianity, real fast, is that we will be resurrected. That we will be, the Bible says in verse 17, after that we, will, we who are, no, no. verse 16, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. This is a lot of a... Allusions to a whole different section, but I'm not going to focus on that. But the focus is that Christianity promises that we will be resurrected. That we will be resurrected. Heaven is not some ethereal place where you're like floating around. That's a spirit, right? You're not just kind of like this wavy spirit like, ooh, coming back to the, like, you know, hey, guys, hey. You know, it's not this kind of ghost-like figure. The Bible tells us heaven is when we are resurrected in glorious new bodies. There's a new heaven, new earth. We will dance, we will walk, we will eat, we will drink like never before. We will sing like we've always wanted to sing. I can't wait for that moment. I cannot wait for that moment. You guys will finally say, PT, you were on key. And i was like, yeah. The Bible tells us that we will be able to dance the way we've always wanted to dance. We will be able to taste what we've always wanted to taste but never thought we could taste. That That the sweetest and the most beautiful thing we've ever tasted on earth... Becomes even more alive and pulsating on earth, on, in heaven. No other faith claims this salvation. You guys realize that? No other faith claims that there's a res- resurrection of a body. Every other faith says you live in the spiritual realm of spirits. It's an ethereal process. You're just like wisps of ghosts moving around. Christianity claims the third thing, that it is. Only those who sleep in Christ will awaken. Not those who sleep in their good deeds or the sense of morality. It is those who sleep in Christ that will awaken. Guys, death is real. I think 2020 has taught you that very well. I think as you get older, you begin to see that even more. It becomes a real thing for you. And I promise you, young bloods like myself, right? Right? We're going to see more and more death. More and more. And I dread the day where I have to bury any one of you guys. I hope I die first, right? No, not really, honey. I hope you work on that math there, (laughs) right? I hope, I hope, I hope, right? I hope. I can't imagine it. But Christians, Christians, brothers, we do not have to be afraid of death. We can stand at death, grieve. We can stand at death angry, knowing that it's unnatural. But we can stand before death with a hope. The hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That you, when you, when I say you can be thankful in the midst of death, you know what you're thankful for? You're thankful for the fact that Jesus is there to give us this door to it. Man, I love, I love, I, I remember I was watching a funeral of one of the, the Spurs' his, uh, assistant coach's wife. I think he died by a junk driver. I'm not sure if you guys know the story, right? And he was a good Christian guy. And he said, I don't want you to grieve and ask my wife why she's lost. She's not lost, he says. Loss is when you don't know where they are. I know exactly where she's at. I grieve and I'm angry, but I'm not broken and I'm not defeated. We are not broken, he, he points to his family. We are not defeated because we know exactly where our, our, my wife our mother is hope and i'm not just saying you guys i'm not just i'm not just trying to preach to you guys some, some some false looking hope here guys i can only give you this hope i can only even share this hope for you because of one one thing and one thing only my god came back from the dead jesus christ came back from the dead. When someone asks you, how do you know what's after this? You tell them because Jesus Christ came back. No other faith can claim that. No other truth can claim that. No other ideology can claim that. No other philosophy can claim that. Only one can claim that. Jesus Christ came back from the dead. And he says, if you believe in me, if you would trust in me, if you would follow after me, when you take your last breath, you will stand before death and you will see the gaping hole. And it's merely a door for you to walk into eternity. And those in whom we leave behind and those in whom we see go, we will not be afraid. We will not. We will grieve, we will be sad and we will be angry. But we will grieve and be sad and be angry with hope. With hope. That is not the end. And so I pray TLC, brothers and sisters, that in this season when we are just bombarded with so much sadness of death, that one, that you would be a light to this world, to tell them a message of hope. You guys know that? That you would be given the power to share the message of hope, that all who calls on the name of Jesus Christ will be saved if with your lips you declare that Jesus is Lord and in your heart you believe it, you will be saved, the Bible says. So face death. Grieve. Be angry. But realize there is a hope because Jesus is alive. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I I come before you and, but I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful, God, that in the midst of all the deaths we have seen and all the chaos we have felt and just the overwhelming sense of sadness and despair, I'm so grateful, Dad, that you made a way. You made a way when no one else could dare make a way. You made a way through your son, Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus, our champion, our savior. Oh, God, we are so thankful for you. That in the face of death, you did not run, nor did you hide, nor did you leave us alone, but that you would face it. And not only face it, but defeat it for us. And so, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your sting? Our God has defeated it. Our God has overcome it. And so Lord, I pray over my brothers and sisters. I pray over the sons and daughters, friends and families here at TLC. That in the midst of all these things, we can be thankful that we have you. We can be thankful that there is a way out. We can be thankful that there is, there is the life, the truth, and the way. May our lives live in the proclamation of that. May our lives live encouraging one another of that. May our lives live reminding each other what awaits for us. May our lives live to remind ourselves of the glory that is there. May our lives live to recognize and understand that the words we preach, the things we say, oh God, it is to bring life to a dying world. And so, Lord, we pray, would you give us courage and power to do such, to do as that. Oh Lord meet us here in this day for all those who have been suffering all of us who have been hurting all of us who have seen death bring us once again Lord to a place of hope and comfort for you are alive we pray all these things in Jesus name amen let's spend some time let's respond to God and you know, we respond to God through a uh, couple ways we respond to him through prayer prayer is just you immediately speaking to God you, 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 you come and you and you acknowledge his presence and you say lord i've heard your word and i sense it in my heart oh god how far and how wide i've been away from you would you come and make your presence known today all you have to do is pray all you have to do is ask and he will come all you have to do is declare and he is yours he has done all things Would you come and pray? Would you come and praise? For those who are sons and daughters of God, would you praise our God, our King, our Savior for what he has done? The one who has defeated death. Would you come and bring an offering of your life? And saying, oh Lord, if you have done it all, then everything I have is yours. The amount is not the importance, the importance is the act of worship. So come, respond when you're ready.
1: In a lamb of God, by His own betrayed, yes. silent as he Fading full by the precious blood then my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me, whom the sun sets free. just thank you, Lord, um, uh, for this message you have given us, Lord. And we know that uh, this year has already been a year of a lot of uh, craziness, chaos, and maybe even feels like death to us, Lord. God, we've um, in the midst of all of it and even the fear that we may have of it. Um, maybe continue to seek um, you and that salvation you have given us on that cross, Lord. Knowing that you have given us hope, you have given us life, you have given us salvation.
2: So, Lord, uh, when we find peace in you and continue to glorify your name and lift it up. Thank you for everything. Love you. In Jesus' name pray.
0: Men's and women's group, yeah, eleven. this coming Saturday at 7.30. So if you have never been to a small group here at TLC, if you're kind of afraid of just commitment in general, right, men's and women's group is the least committed thing you need to go. It's, It's once a month, and it comes out. Brothers hang out with brothers, sisters hang out with sisters, and we just, you know, we fellowship, we eat, we deal with things that guys deal with, ladies deal with things that ladies deal with, and we get to know the fellowship of brothers and sisters within the community. So this coming week, Saturday, um, our sisters at center will be located here at TLC in the... They're uh, going to do a potluck here for the ladies. So if you guys are going to come out, there's going to be a great time. Brothers, if you are coming to come, come talk to me, okay? We, we, we're doing a potluck with the brothers at uh, our brother's house. So uh, come out at 730. And if you are, again, new to this place, you want to check it out, you let me know, okay? 12 weeks, Spread Love, Not Fear campaign. We have a video for that this, this week? Yes, we do. All right, so... Let me tell you real fast about the Spread Love, Not Fear campaign. This has been a 12 week campaign that we decided to kind of bust out here at TLC. The hope of it is hey guys, you know what? COVID's locked us down. There's a lot of craziness going on out there in the world, but our mandate, our job, our mission as believers is still the same it is to spread love, not fear, All right? It is to make sure that the world knows about who Jesus Christ is and for us to live our lives in that. Focus and so uh, we've been doing a bunch of different things. So this uh, this is a uh, couple of uh, testimonies of the past two weeks of our Spread Love Not Fear campaign. Week ten and nine and ten, I believe. Okay, check this out. Say psych right now, psych, psych. All right. Hey, you know, like, it, oh, just kidding. What's this? Oh, yeah. So yesterday we had this Operation Christmas Child. It was a hit. It was a hit. We uh, pretty much we got together. Uh, sports Ministry uh, took care of it and gathered everybody and. What we did was we, we, we packed these boxes for children in third world countries through an organization called Good Samaritan. And what they do is they deliver these boxes throughout all of the third world countries and just to really give these kids these boxes of gifts. But on top of giving them just these gifts is that the the, the missionaries, the, the the people who are there use this as a segue of sharing the gospel, getting them into a class, and then having these kids learn the gospel and sharing their gospel back to their parents. It's really, really cool. So. Um, it was a great event, and um, um, those who came out, I hope you guys were blessed by that, and just realize we weren't just grabbing, you know, boxes of gifts and stuff like that. We were putting together something that was is going to have a huge impact on Jesus take the wheel. Right? Have a huge impact on lives of. Whoa, oh, oh, that's it. We did it. New door. Oh wow. Okay, so. <laughs> If you guys are at home, you don't see our, our front door just burst open, right? Uh, Holy Spirit came. Okay, so he's here, and uh, let's pray. It's all right, all rise. Let me send you guys out. Okay, would you place your hand as a posture of receiving. Let me bless you guys. May you walk this day, tomorrow, and the rest of your life, not in the fear of death, but in the hope of the resurrection. May you live courageously to speak his truth. May you love deeply those around you. And may you bring more sons and daughters home to our Father. Go in peace, church. We love you. Become a blessing. Have a great one, guys.